Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. Oh, 
for everything. Friends, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And know that wherever you come from, whoever you are, whatever you believe, your presence here today is a gift. We are grateful to be in community together. Let us pray. God of resurrection, let this place be a place of rest. Let this community be one of love. And let this time this morning be that of transformation from who we are to who we can be. Amen. children with your burdens, life's confusions, fears, and pain. Leave them at the cross of Jesus. Take instead his kingdom's reign. Believe to do that, we must be honest, to lay our burdens, our confusions, our fears, our pains, and ultimately our mistakes at the cross of Jesus. And we all make them. There's no denying that. We sin, we hurt one another intentionally and unintentionally. 
So confident in God's grace, let us go now together and say the prayer of admission as written in your program. Let us pray. God, we can be stubborn, set in our ways that lead to destruction. Forgive us for the wrong paths we have traveled. Forgive us for how we trample ungratefully over creation. Forgive us for pushing others aside so we can get ahead. Lead us on a new path. Friends, hear the good news. When Jesus hung from the cross that we put him on, he cried out and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He didn't say, Father, forgive just these people or Father, forgive the righteous. He said, Father, forgive them. Friends, we fit into that and we still don't know what we are doing, but we are forgiven. Called to forgive one another. Let us live at peace with God and with each other. Alleluia, amen. And now invite the family of the Hyatts to come forward as we celebrate the sacrament of baptism. This morning, Ambra and Wayne Hyatt present their son, Harrison Wayne Hyatt, to receive the sacrament of baptism. Beloved child of God, Harrison, for you, Christ came into this world. For you, Christ lived and showed God's love. For you, he suffered the darkness of the cross and cried at last, it is finished. For you, he rose again to new life. For you, he reigns at God's right hand now and forevermore. All this, Harrison, Christ did for you long before you knew anything of it. And so through these waters, may the words of scripture come to be fulfilled in your own life. Harrison, may you love because you have been loved first. 
Ambra and Wayne, having heard these words, I ask you the following questions. Do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Relying on God's grace, do you promise to live the Christian faith, to embody hearts of service and love, and to teach that faith to Harrison? Now to the congregation, we do baptisms in community because they matter to the community. So hear this question. Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide, support, and nurture Harrison through words and actions with love and prayer, Will you encourage him to know and to follow Christ and empower him to be a faithful member of the church? If so, say, we do. Let us pray. Holy God, we give great thanks for your son, Jesus, who washed over this world with your love. In the same way, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may this water now wash over Harrison so that in his own life, he too may share love with others. In your holy name we ask this, amen. Hey buddy. What is the Christian name of this child? Harrison Wayne Hyatt. Harrison Wayne Hyatt. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's your church community, buddy. <laughs> By the power of your Holy Spirit, God, may this water now wash over Harrison. Harrison, may you come to know everything Christ commanded and know that he loves you and is with you until the very end. Amen. Let us pray. God be with Harrison. Be with his parents, Ambra and Wayne and his big brother. Be with them in the late nights when parenting feels so darn tough. Be with them in the hard moments of childhood and adolescence. In everything, God, remind him of your love, your grace, and your desire for him to be your image bearer, shedding your light on the world. Amen. Friends, this is the greatest news. Harrison has been received into the one holy Catholic church through baptism. God has made him a member of the household of God to share with us in the priesthood of all believers. I encourage you during holy interruption to welcome the newly baptized as our newest brother in Christ. Hallelujah. And all the church said amen. 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 You can follow along with me in our scripture reading today. I'm reading from the book of Acts. Chapter 9, and so we get the scope of the, the full story. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 and then skip ahead to verses 17 through 19. Listen now for God's word. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, and he asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as Saul was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him and he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, 
Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? And the reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with Saul stood speechless because they heard the voice, but they saw no one. So Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand and they brought him into Damascus. And for three days, he was out without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now skipping ahead, Ananias went and he entered the house and he laid hands on Saul and he said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. And then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. The word of God for the people of God. The title of today's sermon is Young Saul. Young Saul is someone that we would recognize. He did all right in school, but then he really excelled in business. And he knows the law inside out, like he knows when to follow it, when to ignore it, when to rewrite it altogether. And he knows who the most important person is, the emperor, Nero, and, and he's gaining traction in the city of Jerusalem. People are starting to take notice of him. Like his name is getting listed with the 40 under 40. And he kind of likes the sound of his name coming out of the mouths of very important people in Jerusalem. Growing up, he knew that he has influence. Like even in the classroom, he has influence around his friend group and people around him, but he had no clue what shape this influence would take, not only in the world as he knew it, but in history. Young Saul is a great detective, which serves him well in this new role. His job is to find criminals, find people who will not kneel to Nero, but who are talking about this Jesus guy who's already dead. His job is to find these people and then turn them in. And Saul is finding this work incredibly easy because they're making it incredibly easy. Like take for example, he went to the market last Saturday and he overheard people talking loudly about how his neighbors have started following the way. How foolish of them to speak so loudly out in public. And so he goes and turns them in and on the way back, he has this bright idea. If people of the way are foolish enough to speak out loud publicly in markets, then they're also foolish enough to write it down in letters. So Paul, Saul, he takes this pitch to the high priest and he asks if he can read their mail to identify people of the way. He's granted this permission and, and they're supposed to take this road trip to Damascus and he gets to hire a few of his buddies to go with him on the trip. And so he's feeling pretty high on life. He keeps getting promoted. His friends 
looking in, thinks he has the life. They say so on the trip. And Saul is glad to be on this trip with friends, if nothing more to enjoy some meals and the towns along the way. Because if he's honest with himself, he really needs this trip. Saul really needs to get out of town for a little bit after the last persecution of a man named Stephen who cried out allegiance to Jesus even as he was dying before their eyes. Saul can't shake how that makes him feel. In fact, in his dreams, he's visited by the look on Stephen's face. He can't shake it even though as soon as he wakes up, he can rationalize that Stephen is crazy. And he pretty much asked for what was coming his way. Even still, he can't shake the human factor of Stephen. He can't shake this acknowledgement that we as a people often lift up the institution over the person. That human factor of Stephen, it's hard to shake. We recognize young Saul, right? We recognize young Saul because he is conflicted. Like he's proud of his work and moving up on the ladder, but he's also scared by what he's seeing in the world and in him. So he goes on this trip, right? And out of nowhere, light shines down on him and causes him to fall to the ground and he can no longer see and he cannot eat and he cannot drink and he has been brought low, physically low to the ground. And then it's from that posture that he hears Jesus' voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul doesn't have the strength to answer, but the adrenaline kicks in and he's able to ask, who are you, Lord? And Jesus replies, it is me, the one who you are persecuting. That's a pretty brief exchange, but creates this change that lasts a lifetime. And Jesus tells Saul where he must go. But when Saul gets up off the ground, he cannot see. And so he depends on his friends to lead him by the hand into the city of Damascus where he must go. And his friends, they, they heard a voice, but they didn't hear, they didn't see the person. So they know which way to go. But at that point, the mission has changed. The mission is no longer to get the letters. That's over. The new mission is to help Saul regain sight, his appetite, thirst, frankly put for Saul to survive this. And with so many of his senses dulled, we can imagine some of the thoughts that keep popping into young Saul's head, like, will I make it? And will these friends take care of me? And did I really just meet Jesus? And why did he take away my sight? a vulnerable posture for Saul for three days, not forever, but for those three days, some of his questions get answered. Like his friends are awesome. They stick with him. They walk with him. They attend to his needs and his trust grows for them. And it's terrifying to be dependent on other people, especially for someone like young Saul, who's used to doing it on his own. It's terrifying. And yet it is real life that we get dependent on each other because we are connected. Meanwhile, meanwhile, while all this chaos is happening for young Saul, Ananias is also being spoken to. 
Jesus shows up with a vision that I don't blame Ananias for thinking is crazy. He knows that Saul is the young one who has been casting out threats of murder. Why would Jesus want to help him? Like, isn't this a win for Jesus' side? Shouldn't we just let Saul stay blind? Jesus' plans are different. They're unexpected. They're surprising. And so Ananias goes and he lays hands. He calls him brother. Saul regains his sight. And then he's baptized and he chooses to follow Jesus, to devote his entire life to Jesus. It's a huge change for Saul. Like, can you imagine that kind of change? Going from one group of friends, one network, one set of expectations in your role to a complete other community and network and expectations. Can you imagine trying to explain that kind of change to anyone else? Can you imagine the faces of the people on all sides when Saul makes it known that he has changed his mind? This is about young Saul, yes, but it's also about us. Jesus interrupts and changes the course of our lives. Sometimes it happens to us, like there's an external factor that causes our lives to change. Sometimes it happens inside though with an unsettled feeling that makes us want to create change. And sometimes it comes in this form of misery where we are brought so low, so vulnerable, so dependent on others that we have to be held by the hand and led foot in front of foot until the way becomes clear. In this season of Easter, we are looking to the places in our lives that feel jaded. And for some of us, it might be our life's work. It might be the daily grind. It may be the pressure that we feel to keep up with some sort of social circle that has brought us into a life that we're not even sure we want. Here's what I know to be true. If Jesus can bring change to young Saul who wasn't even sure he wanted change, then those of us that are looking for change, Jesus will bring change to us. Sometimes I wonder if young Saul ever took a minute to consider, to consider the, the work of his hands and how that was impacting the world around him or if he got too excited and distracted by, by this inertia of success. Saul is an influencer, there's no doubt about it. In fact, I think if Saul was on TikTok today, he would have millions of followers and it wouldn't even matter the content that he put up. He's an influencer by nature. And so I find it really interesting that Jesus doesn't change the fact that he is successful. Jesus changes the content of his message. He goes from persecuting Jesus to proclaiming Jesus and he is successful in both. Eventually Saul's name gets changed to Paul who wrote most of the New Testament Bible that we read today. We cannot know what Jesus will do in our lives, but any one of us with any days ahead of us can expect that Jesus will show up. We can expect 
to be surprised. And we can expect to be liberated from whatever it is that holds us back from our true selves. Liberated from misery or from the pressure that we feel from others' expectations and any shame we feel, Jesus is all about liberating us from that. In a moment, you're gonna hear Sarah Adams share a bit of her story. In her original song, Release, she's gonna let us in a little bit on what it's like for her to have lived a really successful life in the eyes of the institution and cultural expectations, making all A pluses. And she lets us in a little bit on the pressure she feels to keep up with others' expectations and the deep desire to find the life that is her own. There is holy in moments of change. May it be so in your life and in mine. Amen. pressure that needs release and no help me please to let go oh
Is it worth it? This frantic scramble It's a lie that you'll be more okay When you're moving just for moving sake And tell me Is it the real deal? Are the accolades unending praise For a life that you did not create? Sarah, I think I'll be returning to that song many times this week, and I hope we all do, when we forget that we were, we are wonderful before we do anything. So thank you. Let us go to God together in prayer. Let us pray. God, we have so much to be thankful for, for musicians sharing their gifts, for us waking up today for loving community and hot coffee, for your forgiveness and sunny days. God, for your ability to resurrect the worst parts of us, the ones we'd rather hide away in shame. God, for your desire to see us as perfectly imperfect people, we thank you. Give us the bravery to follow Jesus to make changes in our lives to follow Jesus. Give us the courage of Stephen, the loyalty of Mary, the resiliency of Hagar, the wisdom of Esther, the transformation of Paul. Equip us, God, to show the love of Christ in a world that so desperately needs it. 
And hear us now as we say together the prayer that your son Jesus taught us, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Church, I invite you now to stand as we affirm together what we believe, saying the words of a creed almost 2,000 years old, yet still rings true to our faith today. So church, what is it that we believe? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I invite you to remain standing as we sing together, I'll Fly Away. Now 
Beloved, if Jesus can bring change to Saul, who is not looking for it, he will meet us with the very change we need. Now go from this place and may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of that Holy Spirit may it be with you and with all those we love and with all those nobody loves. Go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.